0: Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Have you ever wondered what spiritual gifts God has in store for you? Well, first of all, we have to distinguish between a spiritual gift and a talent. Let's take leadership, for example. People often say, are leaders born or are they made? Well, if you're talking about the talent of leadership, well, a leader is born, and then that leadership talent can be honed and developed over a lifetime. But if you're talking about the gift of leadership a person is not born with it that's why it's called a gift it's given to you by god as you are filled with the holy spirit with talent god has something to work with with a gift god initially has nothing to work with he must first give that individual the gift if you look at king saul the first ancient king to rule israel he had zero leadership capabilities he was so shy he hid himself when it came time to announce him as king but then the spirit came upon him and he was never the same again he was a gifted leader from that point forward now if you were to choose between a talent and a gift let me tell you you want the gift if you compare a talented leader with a gifted leader The gifted leader will always outshine the talented leader. The Bible says that God takes our weaknesses and actually turns them into our strength. With King Saul, God took a shy follower and gifted him as an extroverted leader. That's what happens when you're given a divine spiritual gift. So listen in to the types of spiritual gifts described in Romans 12, and I challenge you to start asking God to give you your spiritual gifts. What gifts does God have for you? What spiritual gifts does God have for you? And in Romans 12, there's several lists in the New Testament of spiritual gifts. And in Romans 12, what we see is kind of a categorization of those gifts. Not entirely, but a categorization. In other words, some buckets of what types of gifts. You can reach into this bucket, and there's that kind of gift. You can reach into these, this bucket, and there's those types of gifts. So there's categorizations of gifts or lists of spiritual gifts and those the categories of those gifts so let's look at these and then next sunday uh we'll kind of look at some specifics and then like i said we'll get into more uh the the birth of christ after that but romans 12 you can follow along we're going to pick back up in verse 6 which is where we left off last sunday and here the apostle paul tells the roman church we have different gifts Okay, my gifts are different from Kyle's and Kyle's are different from Maggie's and we have different gifts And aren't you thankful if we were all clones and robots that'd be really mundane and boring But God has made each one of us unique and gifted us gifted us uniquely as well How did how do these gifts operate according to the grace given to each of us? God has abundant grace and the more grace that you get from God the more gifted you are going to be In other words, when you finally stop saying, I'm not going to earn anything from you, Jesus. I'm just going to receive, receive. You have more grace in your life. Therefore, you have more gifts in your life. Get away from trying to prove yourself to God and let God prove himself to you. Amen. And just receive from God. So then he launches in to these categories, if you will, of gifts. Some of them are very specific. This first one, for instance. But it says, if you... If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy according to your faith. Now, prophecy is really speaking God's message for the here and now. God has a fresh word for you every day of your life. And sometimes multiple, oftentimes multiple times throughout the day, he has a fresh word for you, a fresh word for you, a fresh word for you. If we would just listen to God, he'd keep you fresh every minute of the day. He'd keep you boosted every minute of the day. But what is prophecy? Prophecy is where you hear that fresh word, and you are able to communicate it to someone else clearly. That's prophecy. It's I hear from God. And I go ahead and just tell you what God is telling me, telling us. And and in essence, I believe that's what a pastor should be able to do. He or she should have the gift of prophecy. What's God's word for the here and now? And then be able to clearly explain it to everybody so that they can understand as well. I believe one of my gifts is the gift of prophecy. I hear from God and I try to share it with you clearly every Sunday. And if you notice, I believe... I believe it's fresh. It's new, it's it's invigorating, it's lively. Is that good for, is that props to me? No, that's props to God. <laughs> we give glory to God for his fresh word and and me as the messenger of that fresh word. And so it's that gift of communication of revealing and listen to this even enforcing truth. When God says something, it comes with force. And therefore We as prophets of God, we enforce the truth. We we give it with passion. We give it with conviction. And if we see something that's not lining up, hey, I'm going to be the first one to stand up and say, "I don't think you're right. That's not lining up with what God's word is telling us." All right. So it's clear. It's assertive. It's prioritized. And listen to this. This can be maybe a little bit confusing, but prophecy is forthtelling the word and foretelling the word now when somebody foretells the word they're predicting they're making a prediction of something that god has has shared with them hey you know what uh i'm gonna make something up you know uh (laughs) someday the u.s is not gonna be doing too well all right maybe god has shown that to me i don't believe that's the case right now i think god still has plans for this country I believe God still has a, a plan for this country. At some point, yeah, I believe this country is probably going to tank all the way, but not tomorrow, not this year, not in the next presidency. God still has plans for this country. So I'm foretelling what I believe, have a conviction. God keeps showing me, Steve, these are going to be the next four years, the best next four years of your life. And I'm saying it to you guys, these next four years are, are going to be the best next four years of your life as long as you're seeking the Lord, as long as you're following the Lord. Now, anybody that gets away from God, these are going to be the worst four years of your life. <laughs> There's a prediction for you. So stay close to God. But forth telling... I know it's not foretelling, but forthtelling is right here, right now. What is God telling us right here for today? Because the best thing you can do in life is stop looking into the future and start looking into the present and do what God has called you to do right here, right now. All right, so that's a a gift, uh, the gift of prophecy. But the Apostle Paul continues, he says, if it's serving, then serve. If it's serving. Did you know some people have the gift of serving? Now, we're all supposed to serve. Don't get me wrong. Just Somebody says, well, I don't have the gift of serving, so I'm not going to serve. No, no, no. No, we're all called to serve. And we all, in some ways, have the gift of serving. Now, we're going to serve in different, unique ways. If I'm, a, if I'm a tax accountant, maybe I can serve by helping you with your taxes. I'm not, by the way, so don't come asking me to help you with taxes. I'm an accountant, but I'm not a tax accountant, all right? Your, your service might be, you're a good coach with little kids, and so you serve with your gift. You serve by helping them play baseball or, or basketball or, or whatever. Your service, you might be in the medical field, and you can help give some medical advice or, or help get somebody some medication. We all have the gift of service in different, unique ways, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But the gift of service. Now, there's a, there's a word that we use in, in the church setting, and it's ministry. Did you know that ministry and service, they're synonymous? If I say I'm going to minister to you, that means I'm going to serve you. I'm going to help you in a unique way. Jesse has, he is a, has a servant's heart. He has the gift of serving, and he does. I want to just point with Jesse out a little bit. He does it willingly. He doesn't do it because he has to. He does it because it's just coming out of him to serve, to help, to be that person to serve. He does it willingly, and he does it cheerfully. And he makes it appealing. So I look at Jesse, and I'm like, I want to be more like Jesse. I want to be more like Jesse. And I look, I'm i just pointing out. I look at each one of you. You have the joyful, willing spirit to serve. And that's synonymous with ministry. We minister to each other. To say I minister to the Lord is I serve the Lord. And I do so willingly and, and cheerfully. We should all be that way. And now check this out. You're gonna crack up at this one. Ministry, see if, if you if you hear the, the the common word here. Ministry, administration. Ministry, administration. Whenever you talk about an administer, you know what they really are? they're supposed to be example servants but you get in the school in the school system and you hear administration the last thing you think of is service (laughs) you think of some bureaucratic bozo up there that's not letting anything happen but truly administration is the act of serving so anybody that's an administrator should be a servant. They should be out there helping and facilitating. But unfortunately, our world turns things around and, and messes it up. All right. But a, 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 an administrator is a servant. And in the Greek, this this word service actually comes is is um, I'm going to destroy it how it's said here. But it's it's um, diakonia, I believe. And it's where you you get the word deacon. A church, if you've been in a church any length of time, you, you hear about deacons and it's usually a bad word. All right, but the deacons are the ones that are supposed to be serving. A man or a woman who serves in the church, it eventually becomes a deacon, an example servant. And in the Greek what this meant was literally waiting tables. There's no no greater act than helping someone eat their food. Need some more water? Here's some water. You need some more food? Let me get you your food. How are you doing? Can I get your food faster? It's it's truly a waiter, a servant. And let me tell you what, before you get down on this and think, well, I don't want to be a servant. That sounds like the low end of the totem pole. Let me tell you what, Jesus came to serve. And he said, I have come to set an example of service before you. And what did he do? He washed his disciples' stinky, dirty feet as an ultimate example of service, right? And then he turned around and he says, no student is above his teacher. If I've come to you as a servant, you need to go and be a servant as well. You need to be a servant as well. Serve, 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 serve. Can I tell you what? Service doesn't drain you. It invigorates you. It invigorates you. When Jesus was serving that woman at the well, He came out empowered. It says he sat down tired from the day he served that lady and then he was invigorated. He was ready to move on to the next town and ready to tell his disciples, let me tell you what, when you serve, you are invigorated. You're given life. Why do we wither away on the vine is because we're selfish. But when you become selfless, You receive new life, new invigoration. You're ready to go tackle the world because you've gone and served somebody. Amen? Let me tell you what. The richest people on earth, the Jeff Bezos of the world, that's Amazon, or the the Bill Gates, that's Microsoft, or any one of these people that you hear about, you know how they got rich? They figured out a way to serve in a way that no one else was serving. And I'm not saying serve to get rich, but I'm just telling you it pays off. It pays off. So don't, don't waste your time thinking that uh, the big wigs are the ones they got there by not serving every single person that's gotten anywhere in life. Got there because he served. She served. There's this, um, there's this personality profile test. Have you ever, has anybody ever taken a personality profile test? Some of you have, maybe you haven't. There's all kinds of them out there. At work, I've taken so many different personality profiles. What it does is you answer a bunch of questions, and then it tells you what your strengths and weaknesses are. And there's one out, out there that I, I like more than any other one because it's simple, it's straightforward, and it's called a DISC profile, D-I-S-C. It's really... Simple profile, but it really gives you good, you know, uh, self-awareness of what you're good at, what you're not good at, what you can do well, and what you should maybe steer clear from. But this DISC profile, the DISC stands for dominance. Um, In other words, you're maybe a, and that sounds bad, but a dominating individual is somebody who goes out and says, here's my vision, follow me, we're going. And they will go run over whatever needs to be run over to get to wherever they're taking their vision to. That's a dominance type of person. They can, you know, you can, it could be bad, but could be good. Jesus was a dominance person. He said, this is the kingdom of heaven. This is the way we're going. Follow me or get off the cart. You know, Jesus was, he, he had this in him. So it's not, it's not always bad to be domineering per se. But the I stands for influence, That's somebody who gets out and just sells, sells, sells. I want want to show you what's in this for you. And and he kind of sells, you know, how we can get there. Um, Then there's the S, which is the steadfast. That's a person who's there with you, heart and soil. They're loyal, heart and soil, heart and soul. They're with you through thick and thin, and they serve. They serve, 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 serve. And then the last one is a conscientious person, someone who's typically cautious, weighs the risks, and always tell you what can go wrong with your idea. All right? And it's funny. I used to, I don't know if I have it up here. I do. I used to be this cautious person, and I'll tell you, (laughs) when I got to know Jesus, all the cautiousness got thrown out the window, and I lost too much of it. I lost too much of it. Now I I need to be more cautious But I grew up being cautious, careful. What if, what if, what if, what? I remember thinking this way. And let me tell you what, when I came to know Jesus, he he balances you out. And what he does is he makes all four of these important to you. You need a little bit of each one of these in your life. But I'm here to talk to you about the gift of service. God wants you to be a servant. And he wants to find you a place of service that you will enjoy serving in. See, this is a category. The gift of service is a category. There's many gifts within the gift, uh, within the category of serving. And God has a very unique, special way for you to serve. And you will enjoy it. You will love it. It's what you were born to do. Let's read on, though. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's teaching, then teach. Now, a teacher, what's a teacher? What's somebody who imparts knowledge? You have something inside of you that you learn, and you just want to go out and show somebody else what you learned. There's nobody that does that more than my mom. All right? She learned something, and she immediately wants to share that, impart that knowledge with others. And so you're a teacher, but you know what? The essence of teaching is it's someone who can cause you to learn. You know, somebody's blah, blah, blah. Okay, what if I were just to say blah, blah, blah for the next 10 minutes? Everybody go to sleep, all right? My goal is for you to learn something. I don't want to just talk for talking's sake. I don't want to teach just for teaching's sake. I want you to learn something, and that's what a teacher does, is they they make sure that you can learn it. And that's why our poor teachers are struggling so much right now online is they don't feel like people are actually learning. So they feel like they're wasting their time. And when you feel like you're wasting your time, that equates to misery more than anything else. All right? We want people to learn. That's what teachers do. They, they impart knowledge. And, uh, and, uh, so, and there's a lot of other aspects. But you know what? The number one thing that Jesus was called when he was here on earth by his friends and his enemies, teacher. Teacher, rabbi, teacher. People saw Jesus as a teacher. So if you ever get down, you're a teacher and you get down to yourself, well I'm the lowest of the low as a teacher. No, you are not. Teachers rule the world. <laughs> they they're the ones that rock the cradle. You know, teachers. John Wooden, yeah, some people say Wooden, maybe that's that's how he was called, but anyways, he was he won more basketball NCAA championships than anybody else back in the 60s. He won 10 out of 12 seasons. He won the NCAA Division I championship for basketball. And you know what he called himself? A teacher. He didn't call himself a coach. He didn't call himself the best of the best. He said, I'm just a teacher. He even taught his players how to put on their socks, all right? That's how detailed that teacher got. All right. And then I'll tell you this one, this is funny. I have a teacher in high school I will never forget. His name was Mr. Roble. Mr. Roble. The best teacher I ever had. He taught me algebra one. He taught me algebra two. He taught me I think his wife actually taught me geometry. But anyways, one day Mr. Roble, he had he had these steely blue eyes and he had glasses. And he had a beard and he could look at you and pierce your soul, all right? And Mr. Roble, uh, he would look at you and smile, and he wouldn't say anything, and you knew what he was thinking. And he was a scary man. Actually, he wasn't that. He was scary, but he was a good teacher. And one day, I was sitting beside my friend Tommy, and I was kind of back like this and just, just showing off. It was algebra, too. I'll never forget it. And Tommy over here was sitting beside me. We were cutting up, being, just being bad in school. And Mr. Robo looked at me. He smiled at me. He walked over to my chair and whispered in my ear, Steve, you're not as smart as Tommy. That's all he told me. Walked back to the blackboard. I sat up in my chair and started taking notes. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Teachers know how to deal with such good teachers. They know how to to deal with situations. They know how to get their students to where they will learn what what they're being taught. All right. Teachers, the gift of teaching. There's some of you in this place right now. You have the gift of teaching. It's burning in your soul. You want to get out. You want to teach somebody something. Well, God's going to release you into your gifting. That's why he's called you to be a teacher. All right. Verse eight. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. An encourager. Somebody who comes, in fact, this is, it's, it comes from this Greek word called parakleo. And the Holy Spirit's referred to in the, in the New Testament as the Paraclete, the encourager. It, you, know what come, you know what English word we get from parakleo? Parallel. In other words, I come up beside you and walk with you and encourage and tell you, you can do it. Don't give up. Come on, dude, let's get up, let's get going. Don't get down on yourself. Just because you had a hard week, you can do it. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He encourages you, and then he goes into certain people's lives, and he says, I'm going to give you the gift of encouragement so that you can come alongside people and tell them, don't give up. You can make it. Come on, arm in arm. I'll hold your load a little bit. I'll shoulder the load. Let's get there. Let's get going. There's some of you, and I won't point you out, there's some of you are encouragers. And there's a side of encouragement that, that can step on people's toes sometimes, and it's the word exhort. Some of you are exhorters. Now, what is an exhorter? An exhorter says, you know what? Get up off the ground and stop feeling sorry for yourself. Come on, man. You're not going to quit here. On our, and it's the, kind of the flip side of encouraging, comforting side, where you get say, get up, Frank. Come on, get up. Get up. You can do it, you know. And you, you might even yell at somebody a little bit and say, come on. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Let's stop having a pity party. Get up. Well, I've had the Holy Spirit tell me that before. Have you? <laughs> where he says, just stop it. Stop, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Let's get going. So that's, that's another aspect of, of encouragement. Now, we have to speak the truth in love, right? You can be strong with somebody, but don't do it if you're not loving. You've got to do it with the intention of love. And that's something that we'll talk a little bit more down the line here. All right. And I, I love, look at this word. I think I have it written up. Encourage. Look at the key word in there, courage. What does encouragement do? It gives someone else the courage that they need, the strength that they need to get up and get going. Some of you have the gift of encouragement. Go find somebody and encourage them with a text, with a call, with whatever. Just go encourage somebody and get them up and get going against the best feeling in the world. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes you use the gift for yourself. (laughs) <laughs> you say, come on, talk to yourself, a pep talk in the mirror, and say, let's get going, guy. It's all right, you've had a hard time, you can do it. You can do it. Gives hope. Um, if it is giving, then give generously. Well, here's another categories uh, category of gifting. You can give more than just money. That's the first thing that comes to mind when you talk about giving. You can. By the way, I want to thank all of you that gave to Marsha to get her her little beautiful little apartment done that was so much we ran into Maggie and my we we were over there and doing stuff and even today sister Doris gave something for me to to make sure we give to Marsha the gift of giving the gift of generosity uh, Jessica gave a we had a big old pile of stuff to give thank you for giving to Marsha thank you for giving and you know what one of these days you'll be the recipients of as as you move and you have needs. God's family gives and gives generously. There's nothing more fulfilling than giving. Amen? And you have the gift of giving. Oftentimes, it's interesting, God makes people literally wealthy and rich so that they can be generous. And I find it interesting, even non-Christian philanthropists who've made billions of dollars or millions of dollars They want to give. It's in their nature to give even not knowing Jesus because God puts that gift in you. But even, you know, I've heard of people who don't have much. Some of you giving to Marsha. Let me tell you what, God is going to pour out so much blessing on you for giving what you have. He's going to bless you abundantly, and then you'll have more to give even more. And it's exciting that way. And so God... Uh, I, like, I like how this is put. The, the Greek meaning behind this is change of ownership. <laughs> no strings attached. Hey, if I give you something, it's yours. We're never going to talk about it again. I'm not going to ask it back for from you. I'm not going to remind you, hey, I gave you this. Now, Now I own you. No, no, that's not what generosity is about. Generosity is no strings attached. It's yours. I love you, my brother. I love you, my sister. Be blessed by it. Never forget this guy. This is so much fun. It's funny, but it was really fun at the time. This guy from this other church that I used to know, he said, hey, Steve, why don't I take you to dinner? I was like, yeah. (laughs) This guy was was pretty well-to-do. He took me to dinner. He gave me the menu. He said, pick whatever you want. I was like, are you serious? (laughs) I ate this massive steak, and I ate every bit of it, man, and all the sides that came with it. I'll never forget that guy. He was so generous. Generosity is liberal. It's like pouring out, you know, go all the way. Hey, if I'm going to invite you out to eat, I don't want to. I don't want to be chinchy. Let me get, order something good on the menu. You know, it's on me. That's generosity. That's giving, and it's a memory that you'll never forget. When people are generous, God's called you to be generous. He's given you the gift of generosity. Now go use it for the glory of God. Then, if it's to lead, then to do so uh, uh, diligently, to be a leader. all right. Now in the Greek, this, this word that's used here, to lead, is to stand before others as a model or as an example. So in Christian circles, when we're talking about leadership, we're talking about an example that is lived out before you, Day and night, being consistently the man or woman of God that God wants you to be. And I believe in some cases, I really believe every Christian has some form or fashion of the gift of leadership. God wants you to be an example. The apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And you say, Well, that's that's scary. No, it's not. When you follow God, you're not worried about if you're failing or not, because with Jesus you can't fail. And if you do happen to fail, just apologize, and that makes even a bigger impression on people. That yeah, you know, I did stub my toe. You're exactly right, and I want to, I want everybody that's following my example to know that I made a mistake. Well, that's the biggest example of all. So don't be scared to lead others as you follow Jesus. To be that example, stand before people and be who God wants you to be. So. Here's you know here's a question you know are leaders born or are they made have you ever heard that before have you ever thought about that before are leaders born or are they made well there's a difference between being a talented leader and being a gifted leader and let me explain why if you're a talented leader you were born with some talent for leading and it needs to be developed and you grow into the leader that 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 hopefully god expects you to be all right, you have the talent of leadership. The gifting of leader, the leadership is God's working with nothing. He says, you aren't a leader. <laughs> you weren't born with leadership abilities, and now I'm going to gift you to be a leader. All right, talent, God has something to work with in the person because they were born with something. Gifting, you didn't have squat, and God says, boom. I'm gonna make you a leader and I'm gonna give you the gift of leader. Now, you line up a gifted leader with a talented leader, the gifted leader always comes out ahead. Because it's it's a divine gift that comes to somebody. And I, I wanna say I want to say that's what happened to me. Up until I was nineteen, I was a pathetic follower. I would follow anything that generally was wrong, that was going in the wrong direction. And when I said, Jesus I'm going to give you two weeks, and I'm going to read the Bible 30 minutes a day, and I'm going to pray 30 minutes a day. In two weeks, God gave me the gift of leadership. And I've never been the same since. Never been the same since. I didn't have an ounce of leadership in me before then. Not even an ounce, and God turned me around. But an example from the Bible, King Saul, shy as he could be, He had been named king, and he was hiding out in the baggage area where they were trying to bring him out and make him king. He was so shy. The Bible says the spirit came upon Saul. And you know what? The rest of the story, he was never the same guy ever again. Now, he he went the wrong direction, but he was a leader the rest of his life. The gift of leadership. And, And I want to point back to this. If you have any inkling of wanting to be a leader, pick up this book. 21 irrefutable laws of leadership by john maxwell a powerful book excellent practical book as well gives you many examples but there's some of you your hearts burn to lead you can see yourself and you you look at yourself your past and you say i messed up too much to be a leader in god's sin i don't care about your past i'm going to make you a leader anyways I'm going to give you the gift of leadership anyways. And so be on the lookout and start sowing into that, that call. I remember sitting in church. <laughs> I didn't want to be a pastor, but my heart burned to be a pastor. And I was sitting in a different church on Sundays, and it, it'd just be in me to almost stand up and want to take over. All right, well, that was a bad characteristic, I guess. But, but it's in you. And so some of you can, can, can identify with what I'm talking about. Your heart burns to be a leader to take charge, to do what needs to be done, to be the guy, to be the woman that God has called to lead in whatever capacity. It doesn't have to be in church. It can be in business. It could be a not-for-profit. It could be anything. You want to be a leader. Well, don't shut off that voice. God is gifting you as a leader. All right. Um, To show mercy, then to do so cheerfully. I've got three more minutes. Are you guys still breathing okay? Is anybody about to pass out? All right. Three more minutes. To show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Look at this word, show mercy. Not just to be merciful, but to go out and show mercy. All right? Then do so cheerfully. Now, that means to do so so people can understand it, they can feel that you've shown them mercy. Now, this was so intriguing to me this week as I was studying this just for myself and writing notes. I looked this word up in the Greek And in the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the Gospels, in most cases, when somebody said, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. You know what they were asking for? Physical healing. Physical healing. All right? The gift of mercy comes as a subset is the gift of healing. You want to show mercy to someone, that means you can... Pray for them and say, God, show them your mercy. And God heals their physical bodies. Or somebody has mental illness. They're struggling with depression or they're struggling maybe with bipolar disorder or paranoia or schizophrenia. And you say, God, show mercy to them. And God instantly heals their mind. Praise God. I'm telling you, some of you have the gift of deliverance, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, of signs and wonders. It's all under that subtitle of God's mercy on people's life. These poor blind men, you'll read about it. It's in the readings this week. If you're receiving the text, they, two of them said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus turns around in a crowd. And he prays for them, and those two men were healed. The Gift of mercy. God is, I'm telling you, some of you have the gift of mercy, and you want to show it. You want to show it, but it doesn't just stop there. I mean, the gift of mercy, essentially mercy is forgiving a debt. It's saying you owe me or you owe somebody else and we're going to forgive that debt. So that burden isn't on you anymore. Some of you have expressed what it was like to be under a financial strain of owing a certain sum of money to somebody or group of people, whatever. That's a burden. Can you imagine God comes and says, here, I'm going to get, I'm gonna pay that debt for you. I tell you what, if I were to win the lotto, I don't, I don't buy lottery tickets, okay? I'm just saying, in my dreams, if I won the lotto somehow without ever buying a ticket, all right, if I were to do that, you know what my dream is? My dream would be to pay off whatever I owe, and then I'd go and find every friend, every family member that owes anything and pay off their credit card debts, that would be the funnest thing in the world. Well, guess what? That's what Jesus does for you. Literally, if you owe financial debt, Jesus wants to pay off your financial debt. He wants to show you mercy, but then he wants you to go show someone else mercy as well. The gift of showing mercy. Praise God, man. That's where. I'm, that's why this, this bizarre scripture here, John 20, 23, It says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What does that look like? Go find somebody today that owes a debt to Jesus, the debt of their life, and tell them that Jesus has forgiven them, that all they have to do is repent. And in doing so, you're helping them be forgiven. Go show mercy. Go find the debt that people are burdened with and declare to them, jesus is forgiving you if you'll just receive it he'll forgive you of your sins that's showing mercy all right find someone share with him that that truth and in doing so you will be forgiving them all right just a couple of things just to finish up here i knew we wouldn't get through all of this um matthew 6 14 through 15 says if you forgive other people um forgive other people when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their sins your father will not forgive your sins that's where in in matthew and i don't i'm not going to show it up here on the screen but in matthew 5 7 ish i think it is it says if you blessed are those who are merciful because they will be shown mercy go show mercy to somebody go reveal mercy Go tell them that Jesus has forgiveness for their sins. All they have to do is turn to him, and you will be showing them mercy. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love, love, love these categories of gifts, Lord God, that you you give your people, Heavenly Father. And as I've spoken, I believe many of us, Lord, have had something burning in our hearts, as I mentioned, maybe teaching Or maybe as I mentioned encouragement, or maybe as I mentioned mercy or prophecy, Lord, who knows what it is, a burning in our hearts, Lord Jesus, to be used in our destinies, to be used for our callings, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that our past does not preclude us, Lord, from being used in our future. It doesn't cut us off. Why? Because your word says that your calling and your gifts are irrevocable. You're never going to pull them back away from us, no matter what we've done or not done. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you give us the opportunity, Lord, to be used in the kingdom of heaven, Lord God, to be used in a gifted and a powerful way, Lord Jesus, to help those who need help. To serve those who need to be served, oh God, Lord, to restore those who need to be restored, Heavenly Father, thank you, Jesus, Lord. Let your gifts begin to rise up within us, Lord. Give us opportunities, even this week, Lord, to be used in our giftings, to be used in our callings, Lord, to to experience what it's like to be used of God in a powerful, mighty, transformational way. Thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord. Take us, bless us, Lord God. Lift us up. Help us to realize that we need a boost of your strength every day of the week. And not just waiting for Sundays, but every day of the week. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for it. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.